coming up on this episode of the Delta Huddle podcast. Uh, the people that I work with are very sharp, right? Very smart people. They understand they understand beta testers are very important. And that's that's why we have the program. They understand that community perception is important. And they understand that it doesn't really matter what we think. Who cares what we think? It's what do they want? They're the customer, right? But I've been very fortunate to work with some really uh, sharp product managers and program managers for the deliverables for a bunch of features and, you know, be able to canvas and say like, guys, like, honestly, I think this might be something we should probably accelerate in the roadmap and like, yeah, let's do it. Actually, that makes perfect sense. Hello, I'm Stefan Stenrus, and this is the Delta Huddle podcast by CenterCode. Passionate, engaged communities are at the heart of every successful beta program. It's been a theme that we've had in a lot of our episodes. And today's episode is absolutely exemplary of that. Jake Francis has built beta programs with the help of these engaged communities. In his current role as GPU software dev engineer and game on driver PM at Intel, he connects with passionate, engaged communities to help lead their beta program when it comes to graphics cards. Now, Jake is a fantastic guest, and we were able to talk about his journey from building beta programs on the back of uh, apps like Discord to actually building out the real foundations of successful beta programs using Center Code. His mindset of transparency, honesty, and appreciation is incredible, and our conversation was full of all kinds of great tips um, and life lessons from running beta programs for both AMD and Intel. Jake was fantastic. We'd love to have him on again, and I hope you enjoy our conversation. Jake, thank you so much for joining us on the Delta Huddle podcast. Uh, I wanted to start off, uh, tell us more about yourself um, and how you got into beta testing. Okay, that's a that's a very interesting question. Um, a little bit about me: um, uh, lifelong gamer, uh, like actually lifelong. You know, three years old. I'm playing Nintendo, actually Atari. Um, oh. Learning how to work a VCR. I'm old. Learning how to work a VCR. All that. Um, always had a fascination with computers. Built my own. Um, my uh, my uncle basically gives me a computer and has Red Hat Linux on it, which is oh. super unfriendly when you're 12. Um, mm. <laughs> so <laughs> learned Linux before Windows, surprisingly. Um, and uh, yeah, so ended up, um, you know, just always having this passion for gaming, especially uh, building computers, whatever. Did some work um, at a, a small uh, computer repair store locally in my area. Um, then I went to work for myself. And then um, my career really kicked off <clears throat> when uh, one day I just decided I'm going to apply to AMD randomly on the website, mm. happened to get an interview, started off in software uh, 3D QA there. And uh, yeah, it just kind of just went from there. I sort of did a bunch of different uh, stuff there. Um, I've worn many, many hats across uh, two different, um, you know, semiconductor companies now. Um, long and short of it is I started in uh, software QA, randomly career changed into social media and PR. Um, which is nothing to do <laughs> with that is... at all. <laughs> um, then I went back to QA uh, as a, uh, a strategist. So really what I was supposed to do was look at um, end user issues and complaints across social, because that's what I would do, kind of funnel it in. And being a gamer, 
And in the particular po uh, part of the semiconductor graphics, uh, semiconductor industry I'm in is graphics made sense, right? So how do we test our stuff better internally um, and make sure that we're testing the right things um, when we put out software packages for these graphics cards? Um, randomly, <laughs> there was actually, it wasn't my idea to, to start a beta program. Um, it was at the time, it was my director's idea <clears throat> because he was very closely tied with people in the press, PR, um, had a good understanding of, you know, communities and stuff like that. Um, and so he basically said, hey, man, we need you to put together a beta program. I didn't know how to do that. I have no and really never have had formal beta testing program experience. This was just you're standing in fire, learn. Um, and that's sort of like how it came, how it came to be, really. Um, so that's a very abridged version of myself. So we learned gaming, computer nerd, does beta test stuff. That's yeah. pretty much what it is. Yeah, and we've we've seen that path uh, with a lot of our guests, like uh, John Pardo. He worked I at Sonos for a long time. <laughs> yeah, he was in QA at Harmonix, and he was helping yeah. develop the Beatles Rock Band, and then went that whole path of like, okay, now I'm suddenly yeah. part of a beta program. So it's always interesting to see like the path people take. Um, Sharon, who was another guest long time ago, I can say a long time ago now because we're like 11 episodes <laughs> deep, but um, she said that you think the path to beta is like A to B, or the path mm -hmm. that how someone's going to use a product is A to B, but in reality, it's this big you know, squiggly line that no one can really, um, you know, pin down properly. Yeah. It's always very chaotic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so you work at Intel now. So you switched the the red hat for the blue hat, I figuratively did. speaking. Yeah. Can you tell us more <laughs> about your program at Intel? Is it kind of similar to what you did uh, at AMD? It is very, uh, it is very similar. Yes. It's sort of, uh, it addresses the same <clears throat> audience because I'm kind of in the same field, right? I mean, mm -hmm. uh, discrete graphics. Um, so graphics cards, um, some integrated graphics, stuff like that. Um, so the audience, it's interesting. The audience across those two verticals are, or sorry, excuse me, those two companies are pretty much identical. I mean, you, there's three companies really that have viable gaming products. They're all going to be gamers doing the same thing basically. So yeah, it's, it is very similar with kind of the similar type of, uh, people within, within the beta program. Gotcha. And you mentioned discrete graphics. There might be some members of our audience who may not know what that is. Can uh, you expound on that just a little bit? Sure. Um, yeah, I mean, like you go to like a, a Best Buy or something, you buy a new graphics card for your computer, you slap that in, that's discrete graphics. Doesn't really matter what vendor it is. It's, it's an add-in graphics card uh, to your computer. Gotcha. So the RTX cards out there, the mm -hmm. Radeon cards, et cetera. Yep. Gotcha. Interesting. Yeah. Um, so it sounds like you work mostly with gamers. Um, I do. Are there other audiences that you also bring in to test? I do. Um, a lot of them are gamers, but uh, we do have content creators. And content creators is sort of like a wide scope of things. Um, and it sort of depends if it's somebody is a content creator for uh, maybe video production or a content creator for uh, 3D rendering, modeling, whatever, right? Um, so there's like a wide uh, discipline within that umbrella, but um, we do have folks from kind of both sides into that. So yes, mostly gamers, um, but that's not to say that any of those other applications aren't as important. Their use cases may be more limited. Gaming is very broad, um, but that its importance isn't any higher or lower than gamers. There's just more gamers. <laughs> gotcha. Yeah, oh. I'm sure there's a wide breadth there as well. You could have yeah. people who are just playing Minecraft, right? And then you could also have people who are maxing out 
you know, the latest, uh, you know, Bethesda title or, you know, just. Hey, you know, sometimes they do that the at way. the same time, man. Sometimes they're playing <laughs> Minecraft while they're like, you know, rendering something uh, off a of blender um, at the same 100 windows open. Like those are prosumers for sure. So, yeah, we I definitely uh, <laughs> I definitely interact with those kind of people and I'm kind of one myself. Mm -hmm. um, but my content creation days are kind of behind me. I'm not not old, anymore. Man. We're bringing it back. That's true. Yeah, yeah my camera. There Just when is. I think I'm out, they pull me back in. Yeah. yeah. Um, do you think having that perspective has helped you build out your programs, whether it's at EMD or Intel? It is the sole reason why my programs exist. Um, hmm. Obviously, like I kind of marry my own experience uh, through the industry and just my hobbies with um, the community aspect of things. Uh, I you know, honestly, I think there's kind of like this weird secret recipe of experience that you need to make this work properly. Uh, if you're doing what we do, I'm sure we'll talk a little bit more about like the types of testing we do. Um, but really, because it's all software based, um, there's some hardware, mostly software It's very, very much Delta as as it's defined. Um, mm. But in order to do that properly, you have to understand uh, social sentiment, social perception, but you also have to understand um, basic triage and debug in order to actually address, uh, you know, your your testers through either real time communication or through center code through bug ticket or whatever. Um, but to be able to translate, um, I'm a user and I have this problem, and you bring it into engineering. Engineering may look at it in a very black and white sense. They may go, well, this is this priority, right? And somebody like me being the advocate or the conduit for these for these testers into engineering to translate really what that impact might be, um, I'm able to say, yeah, it is what it is on paper, but the impact this has is actually a lot larger than we may think it is because of this experience in the game that they may suffer from if we don't resolve this particular problem, right? I'm just using game as an example, but I, I think like being able to, to do that translation into like, you know, very uh, heavy engineering, full, uh, you know, software development environment um, with tra uh, the users. I think that's um, probably my strongest skill set to, to actually running a program like this. It's just an <clears> effective <throat> tool as well. We were just talking with Mike Fine earlier. We shot the episode earlier this week, so it's the con the <laughs> context of what happened doesn't really matter. Um, but he he had said one of the, the passions he had was communicating what customers or users were saying back to the stakeholders, and it's it's such interesting. Like we've always heard the voice of the customer, mm -hmm. right? And voice of the customer is like a program of getting what people are saying and, and and kind of here's there's their voice, there's their feedback, but there's this voice of the customer that's like inside development that's you are acting as the voice of the customer, right? Like mm -hmm. you're getting this data and you're communicating it back to your teams because there's not, you know, a hundred, a thousand customers sitting in the the meeting room or on Zoom saying, yeah, here's my my problems and here's what, yeah. what's going on. You're yeah. having to kind of relay that. Um, and it's through your, your program, right? That you get to do that. So yeah, it's such a valuable tool for product. For sure. And I think um, because typically like in my testing uh, that we do, <clears throat> excuse me, we, we, we aren't really testing um, sort of a product life cycle, right? Mm -hmm. It's not like a start and finish very often. There might be some software projects that sort of may live for a month and then we shut it off. Most of the time, because it's iterative, um, a lot of these things require sort of that we're able to kind of look into the future about some of the issues that they may have or even the feedback. And I think being able to take feedback 
especially with software and software, by the way, like a driver package for a graphics, like a graphics card is wild. It's like, it's like operating system levels of compl complex. It's insane how many lines of code exist in totality in a driver package. Um, so there's always something um, to change or fix or whatever, but being able to do that is, is something that, um, it's it's one of the most important things to really properly translate and be that voice uh, for them and say like we need to change this. I will add my engineering feedback on top of what I believe the the user is actually asking for, right? So there's a little translation work there. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and that's something that Mike really uh, stressed was being that bridge and being that conduit and being able mm -hmm. to kind of live in both worlds. Um, mm -hmm. and having both the passion for the product and understanding it, but also being able to see stuff from the perspective of the audience who's using it. Um, and yep. speaking of audience, um, we mentioned that you have gamers, you know, mm -hmm. who are in your tests. You also have content creators. It sounds like you have 3D modelers in there as well. Um, what do your recruitments typically look like for your tests? <laughs> uh, is it hard to find these users? Or, I mean, <sighs> at least from what I know, you know, gamers are very passionate and mm -hmm. love having their kind of voice heard. So is it more or less feedback. like... Oh, they they love, love feedback. Oh, yeah. they love it. They love it. I'm a gamer too, right? Like, yeah. you know, I get it. So um, finding people for my program is actually almost comically easy. Um, hmm. That is somewhere I never have to struggle. There is a wealth of areas to draw gamers from. If yeah. we're looking at strictly gaming, um, tons, right? There's tons of community discords. Uh, there's there's tons of Reddit areas, even just social. Um, maybe this is a little bit of a tangent, but one of the things I really like to do is when we have a user that's, um, we'll say irate, uh, yeah. a user that's irate, very unhappy. One thing I like to do is work with social teams and they will kind of forward me like, you know, hey, like we have an IRA user. Do we have like a fix for this or whatever? Um, maybe we do or don't. But what I like to do is pull that person into the program. Like, mm -hmm. hey, instead of channeling this out there into really kind of the void or directly at our support teams, come into the program and I'll message them directly and say, like, come in here. I We will get this solved. I will give you a driver. And you can tell me whether or not it's fixed. And I've always found that that's very easy to have some of my best testers have, have been the ones that were initially upset. <laughs> yeah. And then when they when we resolve the problem and show, hey, we actually really care about what what you what you're saying, what you think and your experience, then they become awesome testers. They became advocates. They'll be like, hey, I recommend this person, recommend this person. A lot of my program has just been, I make a post, let's say in, in the current time frame on the Intel uh, Arc Discord community. And uh, we say, hey, we're looking for some testers. And it's just like the applicants, they just start like <laughs> flow. It's crazy, right? So I would say that content creators and 3D modelers, uh, you know, there's certainly less of them. So you, I get less applicants, but the the flow of how um, I onboard and sort of that journey for somebody uh, that's interested to becoming a tester is almost always the same. So I would say that I almost never struggle with this because there are millions of people uh, to draw from, especially in gaming. Especially yeah. gaming, because if you think about it, like they've established their community online, right? Mm -hmm. But fitness trackers and fitness people, not necessarily or mm -hmm. say smart TVs. There's far mm -hmm. fewer people out there that are like, yeah, this is but gaming has a, a online presence. They've established where yes. their community is, and it's very well known where you could find specific mm -hmm. types of gamers. Yep. So that's that's a, a funny thing, and it's definitely it speaks to 
the maturity of your brand and your the, the yeah. industry that you're in and the and your program as well because mm -hmm. there's people plenty of people that struggle with finding testers but once you unlock that problem there's like you said just a cascade of other problems that come <laughs> yeah. once you have testers like yeah, i mean I, right ones or <laughs> yeah i mean i get i get so many applicants i i i mean i just i can't i can't keep the scale up with the demand uh so you know i do feel bad that some some people don't get accepted for whatever reason um and i have to sort of throttle the amount of people that can be in a program at any given time um but of course that does help with uh scaling plans and future plans and i always have these things in mind to scale obviously right so mm -hmm. a program like mine is because it's 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 iterative testing basically it's pure almost purely delta um, and it has a very long life cycle, which is almost indefinite. Um, and with the amount of people that uh, apply that are interested, it's sort of like doesn't end. <laughs> um, yeah. I can basically scale into however many people exist that are interested versus having to go out and specifically try to um, put together recruitment strategies or, or social activation plans or whatever people may do. I've just been very blessed and fortunate to be in a specific industry with a specific appeal. Um, and since gamers, um, gamers, they certainly like their games uh, to run at their best. And there are a lot of games. Nobody just plays one game and that's it, right? They play mm -hmm. a ton, which is, again, very helpful when you have such a wide net. Someone might be like, I play games from only, you know, 2000 to 2009 or something, right? Mm -hmm. Well, that's cool. No, that's cool, right? It's like, you know, most of the industry has moved on, you know, and it's difficult to get people that are testing those things, right? So... Anyway, point is, uh, I got a lot of people that 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 can join, and it's it's. I've been very blessed for that. Very nice, yeah. Um, so you have this massive external audience that you, it's very easy to pull from as well. Do you also include people who are also within Intel? Do you guys do any uh, dog fooding programs where it's you know mm -hmm. Intel employees? I don't know if you guys have a nickname for people who work at Intel, but no, no we call uh, it, we call it dog. Yeah, it's dog fooding. Um, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, so um, I'm fortunate um, in. Because I'm in um, such a heavy engineering environment, dog fooders are mostly engineers, so they kind of take care of their own problems. <laughs> okay. <So, laughs> kind of nice. Like, oh, found uh, the issue, and then they go write the code and fix it, yeah. Yeah, that's <laughs> actually happened a few times. Um, okay. So, yeah, so, yeah, dog fooding is very important. Um, obviously, it's not much good uh, for the user experience side of things to only focus on engineers. Um, people in just, you know, marketing, finance, admin, whatever, ran random people, right? That, I mean, that's the point of dog fooding, but um, it is nice that when you get like very talented engineering perspectives in dog fooding, um, it really makes it very easy for us to understand, you know, what direction we want to go based on the thing that we're testing at that time. Gotcha. Very nice. Yeah. Having those different perspectives in there is incredible because I think you get a really holistic picture of how the product is operating, where to go forward, mm -hmm. et cetera. Um, what are some challenges of working in your industry? It sounds like obviously you've got uh, a wealth of testers and that's not so much a problem. It's more like, hey, who do we pick? What are some things that are kind of difficult and that you've had to tackle in and fix as you built your program out? Uh, I would probably, well, I kind of alluded to my, it's like a blessing and a curse is that mm -hmm. I just, I have too many people that, that I could yeah. have in the program. Uh, honestly, a, a lot of the challenges that come from, uh, the industry that I'm in, because it's, it's not purely just beta testing. 
Um, I would say probably if so, I actually wear two main hats. Um, mm. Yes, I run this beta program for sure, uh, obviously. Uh, but the uh, the other side of me is I actually program manage our day zero or game on drivers. So the drivers mm. that get that like, you know, that support for the new games and we put a driver and support it. It's the best foot forward. Mm -hmm. um, I actually do that as well. So I'm kind of program managing both. So I could go into the depths of difficulty that that can uh, encapsulate for that. But for beta testing, I think the, you know, one of the largest challenges is um, resolving things in a timely manner. And I think that because it's not really so much that engineers can't um, or won't, it's not to do with priority. I think it's because sometimes it depends on how difficult a particular problem is. I sort of alluded to this where a driver stack is incredibly complex. There are so many different things going on and you're touching different lines of code depending on what that problem is. Sometimes, um, you know, I think the challenge is resolving um, issues I know affect the user experience in a more timely manner. But of course, that might be the type of thing that a lot of beta program managers may experience. So I've been pretty fortunate to not have anything catastrophically difficult. I, I would say mm. that I probably have one of the easier beta programs. If I had to guess, I, there's, yeah. you know, thousands of them, but yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. It's kind of interesting. It, your, your mindset kind of turns from like it, with, with that many users, there's a little bit more of the community management stuff that you have to, you have oh, to yeah. keep going. Like, for example, mm -hmm. not everyone's going to on the test. How am I going to keep, people that aren't in the test around for when I might need them. Mm -hmm. And then when they're in the test, when you talk about things like um, speed to resolving something, we want stuff to get fixed because it's going to be fixed earlier and it's cheaper to fix stuff earlier. But also that feedback going back to testers, right? Mm -hmm. Of like, hey, I've heard your your feedback, I'm getting it resolved. And that, that speed is so crucial in keeping them engaged over a period of time. And yes. keeping those testers happy. So it's yep. like a mindset shift of I need to just get testers in the door, then I need to collect their feedback. And you're like at those next levels of I need to resolve stuff quickly. I can keep them engaged, but I need to get stuff moving quicker. Yeah, I mean, like we kind of talked about this, right? Where gamers are pretty demanding, um, but a lot of them are very understanding. They wouldn't be in a program like this. I make it very clear that we do our absolute best. Um, there's so many of you, there's so many bugs, and there's only so many engineers, right, that can yeah. work on something. So. It, for the most part, like, you know, they're very understanding. I think it's just about how you communicate with your community. Now, I'm, I'm very well trained in community management, again, going back to the social media PR days. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm able to kind of keep them engaged and make sure that, hey, it's not because we don't care. That is like 100% not the case. It's just there's so many other things stacking on top, right? Mm -hmm. I would say that, you know, just maybe uh, just a comment about feedback is in software development, roadmaps are very long. Right. There's a lot of processes involved from start to finish. I'm sure you guys know how roadmaps work. Yeah. Um, but that's the other thing, too. I would say probably, you know, when it's there's some really good features and we do um, maybe we'll talk about this, but we we, we do feature reviews uh, where we basically, um, you know, once a quarter, I'll, I'll ping my community and say, OK, guys, this quarter, what, what do you want? Right. What do you want to see? What are your ideas? And just go nuts. Doesn't matter how insane it is. We may not do it, by the way. And I make sure I have a disclaimer, 
Um, but just go nuts, right? So they give some wild ideas and some of them are so wild, but awesome. Now it takes time <laughs> to yeah. vet that out, to scope its feasibility, to get technical architects on it, to scope out the man hours to do that, to scope out validation. Like it's right. It takes forever. So I would say that that's probably the one thing that maybe kind of sucks. Um, because you know, I look at it and go like, oh, that can't be that hard. Like, but see, I'm not actually putting, I'm not doing the driver work, right? <laughs> not developing um, it. Like, yeah, just <laughs> like we'll just do that it seems easy it makes sense to me they want it, takes it. let's just do it yeah do they yeah. want it let's do it so but but you know that's not to say that we haven't taken something um like for example right if we if we know that we have something we're missing like uh, the people that i work with are very sharp right very smart people they understand they understand beta testers are very important and that's that's why we have the program they understand that community perception is important and they understand that it doesn't really matter what we think, who cares what we think it's, what do they want? They're the customer right now. They're an extrapolation of, of a larger audience, right? So obviously everyone has different opinions. Um, but I've been very fortunate to work with some really uh, sharp product managers and program managers for the deliverables for a bunch of features and, you know, be able to canvas and say like, guys, like, honestly, I think, this might be something we should probably accelerate in the roadmap and be like, yeah, let's do it. Actually, that makes perfect sense. So I've been lucky in that regard. So I guess like, I don't have many problems. It's fine. <laughs> Everything's okay. <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah. So, and like you said, you know, not every idea can get into the product and stuff like that, but it's always better to have it and not need it than to need it and not have it. Um, That's right. So, and we always yeah. have that feedback on record, right? In case we yep. go back and be like, oh, yeah, that was kind of, Maybe that was kind of dumb. We should have missed that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, mm -hmm. I do want to get into process soon. We're starting to get into that, which is going to be really cool. Um, but one last question to just kind of close out, you know, what's kind of mm -hmm. like working for Intel and whatnot. Um, what, what's some advice that you have to someone who is looking to get into beta testing or delta testing, who's just starting out? I honestly, I would say understand what your target audience is and what they want. Think, think like you need to put yourself in the shoes of what your customer is and then work backwards from what you would expect. It's kind of like anything that you buy, what do you expect? Doesn't really matter what industry it is. You go and buy, I don't know, like a, go buy a hamburger or something. Like, what do you expect in this hamburger and how, how do you want the meat to be cooked and what's the quality and all that, right? Or a steak was probably a better mm -hmm. example. Yeah. Um, and I think it's it's understanding how that's let's say the steak how that steak gets made like what's like what's the end state and work backwards from there and I maybe this maybe this is not the greatest example but I would say that in order to really execute a proper test um, let alone the pro we'll talk about process but in order to understand what what you're getting into you need to understand what you're getting into if that makes sense yeah you need to have that foundation in place and kind yep. of start with the basics right before getting into the weeds. Well, um, add, yep. add, add to that as well is if you don't have the right audience and, and you are providing these results back, no mm -hmm. one's going to believe them if, it's, if it doesn't make sense. Like if if a gamer would never say that, right? Yeah. Like, oh, man, I'd really like, you know, straight pink mode instead of dark <laughs> mode. Like I, I want my eyes to hurt really bad. I want yeah, stuff it, to be, it's just you need that part of your target marketing, understanding your market, who you're going to be interacting with, because that's, you know, the voice that you're amplifying back into your company. Exactly. If you're going to be the conduit, you need to be able to translate to whoever could be management, could be peers, whatever. You need to be able to properly translate. And if you don't necessarily understand what your product is or what you're trying to do, I don't think you could be able to, you would be able to communicate their needs effectively. You could be a good talker, but 
you wouldn't be able to kind of shift and shape sort of their thoughts into something that might translate a little better that your your colleagues or, or management would understand. Yeah. Yeah. And I was going to make a stakeholder joke earlier, but we'll leave that on the table. That's that's <laughs> already too many puns for the, the podcast. So. Like, that's, <laughs> that's a layup, uh, moving on. Right so there. the second part of that right is, there. you know, okay, so you're you're in, you kind of understand what you need to kind of get started in uh, in Delta testing or beta testing. Uh, and now it's time to build a program. Um, can you tell us about the the kind of process and the journey you went through building your programs, both at AMD and, and Intel? Yes. Um, so I can tell you this. I'll just be, uh, I realize I'm on a Center Code podcast. Yeah. Um, I love Center Code. That's why I use it. Oh, we do too. So yeah. I'll just, yeah, I hope so. <laughs> um, so a lot of my, um, oh God, like it was so bad. I almost repressed how like terrible <laughs> I used to do it. I'm serious. Like it's actually hard to remember. Um, but I can tell you a few things. So day one, when it was like, Hey, we need you to run a program, right? Or a beta program. I'm not, I don't know what to do. Like what? Um, so obviously like I knew, I knew about the, um, uh, the windows insider program. Mm -hmm. So I, the windows insider program was always sort of my, um, my gold standard. Right. So I kind of looked at what Microsoft was doing and I'm a windows insider, like windows insider myself. Yeah. Um, so I've always liked how they did that. And I thought, okay, um, well, I don't have the resources of Microsoft at my disposal with just me and literally nothing. Mm -hmm. Um, but I, I can use that to, for some learnings. So first thing I did was, well, what do gamers like discord? The gamer, they just do, right? So yeah. I use Discord and sure lots of people listening would. Um, so the first thing I did was create a Discord channel, uh, like an official AMD one at the time, um, and just started basically just pinging uh, friends that I knew that would want to do something like this uh, and then friends of their friends and basically uh, like a post on uh, social media and, you know, I was, I was uh, friends with the moderator of the AMD subreddit at that time. Said, mm -hmm. hey, can you put like a link on the side and like drive traffic or whatever? So doing that was OK. And I did I did start off with I think it was like 15 people, which is not that much, especially because that contradicts literally everything I said earlier. Um, <laughs> but but at that time, at that it was a different time. It was like 20 late 2015. It was mm -hmm. a it was a different time. We weren't in the same uh, mind share at that time. Yeah. Um, and so running a program out of Discord and Excel sheets to track th the testers and no proper ticketing system for bugs sucked. It was the worst. It was the worst because I would I actually scaled like that. And that was my number one lesson learned is don't use Discord and then wake up and try to scroll uh, an instant messaging chat and like parse out little snippets for a bug and feedback. It's terrible, right? Yeah. Um, so obviously that wasn't going to work. Um, and so it, it, it was like this for a few years. We did try some, uh, other bug tracking tools we tried because that's what really my program is mostly about bugs. Um, we, we tried some bug tracking tools. It was very difficult. It was cumbersome for the user. Um, because I've always, I'm always of the mindset that don't make things, too, don't introduce too much friction for users because they're just not going to care and leave, right? Like, why would you, why are they doing this? Um, unless they're super dedicated. So those bug, those bug tracking systems did not work. They were cumbersome. I also had to have IT like whitelist these accounts basically for them to log in that they couldn't even control and then they couldn't do anything. There was no collaboration. Um, none of this stuff worked. So 
Um, basically, it went from that to center code. Like that was the jump, right? It was just like, okay, one day I was like, uh, does a, and I didn't know of center code at the time. I learned about center code through Google. Like most of us learn something. Um, so I Googled like beta testing tool, right? And uh, your SEO must be really good because it came up. Um, and I, uh, so I, I ended up, you know, eventually over time we, we got it and the, the, the world of difference, man, I'm telling you the world of like, I don't know if anyone doesn't use, like if you're not using a platform like center, oh my God, like I, I don't know how I did it. And you know what's crazy? We actually did really good work, but it, I spent hours and hours of cycles of my time per day. I'm wasting time, right? Like, yes, I'm chatting with people. I'm wasting time trying to find bugs. Um, but to be able to track things, especially integrations, I'm sure we'll talk about it later, um, but a lot of different things and tools that CenterCode offered, it just was like very night and day. I, I wish there was a better in between from that, but no, and from terrible to CenterCode, that's really what happened. There we go. Yeah, Chris, I, I think we... Good. <laughs> Sorry, I had a funny. I was I worked at Western Digital before um, before this, and we had that same kind of hodgepodge. It was <laughs> we we were we had a forum, we had the WD forum that was run by a completely separate team. We had our own issue tracking tool that we had developed in house, mm -hmm. completely developed in house, and we had a whole different team that managed that. And then mm -hmm. we used like SurveyMonkey, and that was like SurveyMonkey was <laughs> like how we collected feedback too. Uh -huh. It was funny is like it, we had a dozen or so engineers that would run tests on different products and it was everyone ran it a little bit different. Everyone had different size tests and it was a nightmare. Like I, I came in and my first job was to go through feedback. I'm like, where's all the feedback? I'm like, well, some of it's over there and some of yep. it's over there. And this one's a little more detailed and that one has no detail and you don't know who submitted it. So <laughs> you're going to have to go figure that out. And oh, yeah. I, I saw Seneca for the first time. I'm like, what the heck? There's a tool that actually does like beta testing stuff <laughs> and yep. it was it was eye-opening for me as well yeah man i gotta be honest like that yeah like it was sort of the same thing with like you know like kind of our own tool or tracking our bug tracking tool and uh you know sometimes i would create discord channels where it's like leave feedback here um and then i would try to kind of police that but then of course users will just spill bugs yeah. into there or, like pollute <laughs> it awful right so um yeah, of course, you know, over time, uh, once we were able to scale a little better, I, I got some staff on board and all that. So, you know, that really helped to kind of just up level everything. Right. But actually, uh, it was brutal at first. Yeah, I love your story that I, that's actually just a really good story. because I've been posting this a lot on, on LinkedIn is the you don't have any users. Where do you start? And it's just like the, that's the you gave the the perfect answer of I go with what I know. I know that I have some friends that would be this. I have some colleagues that would do this. And mm -hmm. then they have some friends and network and who else can I try to go get? And you just kind of, you get dirty, right? You go in there, yep. don't expect an email blast or just one post on social is going to net you a community. And even then you said like we had, you know, 15 people. So like everyone starts somewhere for, so for you, the people out there that are, that don't have that user base, Go find where your network is and network, like go, go build yeah. that network. Yeah, hundred percent. And, you know, obviously um, I've always liked being in the trenches. I've always liked, I've always liked that, right? Like, I, you know, I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm going to war with my testers, right? And like, I know that's maybe a very odd thing <laughs> mm -hmm. to think about, but yeah. um, no, I'm in the trenches with them. It's like, Hey, like I see a bug here and then I'm, you know, I'm like, let me try it too. Cause I like video games. Let's try it. <laughs> um, 
So yeah, I've always liked that. And I think from there, like that builds some super deep connections. Like um, actually I'm still in contact with the original, original people on my first beta program. Um, oh, really? there's some, oh yeah. Like you, I developed a, like an actual relationship with people that I've never even met. Right. Yeah, and I, yeah. I take that, those relationships very seriously. Right. So it's, it's, it's not like a, Hey, you're just a tester. It's more like I try to treat everyone like a friend. Right. And so, Hey, this isn't just about like, yes, you're here to test a software package. whoop de doo type thing. But it's like, but we can do this together, man. We're going to war. Let's, let's find what we can find, you know? Um, so I've always, I've always liked doing that. So I, that makes, that nah, just makes me enjoy doing this so much. Yeah, having that strong community is amazing because it's like a force multiplier for testing, but right? It just the testers you, you know by name. Actually, one of I have I have a test that I remember from over ten years ago. Mm -hmm. Funny enough, he worked at Intel, and he mm -hmm. was a tester on uh, on on W's community. And it's like our engineers knew him. Like every everybody <laughs> that worked on the product knew that tester's name. Like, oh, it's feedback from him. Let's go get it to the product person to to say let's let's get in. What release are we getting it in? And it was just like, yep. yeah, there's those testers out there. <laughs> oh, yeah. And that, uh, especially, um, especially at AMD, there was a few notable ones where it's like, because so we would use, uh, we would basically use the Jira integration mm -hmm. and we set it up so that we, we'd push like the, the username and all that stuff. And we had a dedicated team specifically crafted to address end user issues. Um, as a result of the beta program, by the way. So I'm sure maybe that's very interesting. Um, yeah. But essentially, cool. <laughs> they would see they would see this person's name and be like, yeah, like in, immediately send this to debug. Like don't even, we don't have to put any actual reproduction work on it. Just just send it over. It's valid. Like that, it, it was kind of nice. It was just sort of your point, right? Where there's a couple people that are like, that person's legit. Tr Let's trust, just send trust it right that user. Yeah. 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 And they know it too, because I tell them that I'm very, uh, I'm very transparent, right? Obviously, I'm not going to share something NDA or whatever. Yeah, I like my job. Um, but I'm, I'm transparent with like, you know, why something doesn't get fixed or couldn't be fixed, or it's taking too long, or what was the fix, mm -hmm. right? So mm -hmm. I've always found the community management side of things very interesting. And I think is the sole reason why my program even works is is to is to make sure that they're engaged they're not faceless drones uh, behind an email that we're real-time chatting right so yeah very nice yeah um just building that trust and that understanding between you the testers and the engineers it's like a very nice positive feedback loop that just mm -hmm. keeps feeding itself which is great um yeah you well, what he was good sorry one one more thing what what you're one saying more. is like that that faceless black hole like that's a lot of beta programs out there like there's programs that just have those endless email inboxes. Like if you got to just submit feedback in like some, some app and it just goes to a, a email inbox, that's never going to get responded to people don't want to be part of that. They don't, they don't want to continue to be providing feedback to someone that's not listening or to a company that's not listening and beta mm -hmm. programs, especially beta program managers or people that actually run these tests being the face and interacting. That's mm -hmm. what successful beta tests are. Not, I just did a test and I got some feedback that went into a hole that I didn't use. Like yep. it, that's, that's not contributing to the su success of the product. That's not building a team of evangelists or advocates that are going to recommend for future products and all kinds of stuff. But yeah. 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 I think it's it, honestly, it's, it's, you know, it is part of a, a retention strategy. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think, you know, it's, it's kind of like, 
maybe painfully obvious, but, um, you know, if, if they never hear from you or they're just sort of left with their own devices with no contact with, or they're the importance of what they're doing isn't understood to them. Mm -hmm. Um, and they have to, they do need to be reminded that like guys, like everything you do, it may seem so small, but it actually matters a lot. So stuff like that is, is really part of my tester retention strategy outside of, you know, obviously like, you know, giveaways or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. You never want to see that screen after submitting feedback where it's like, thank you, your feedback has been received. Someone will look at it in 12 to six business days or whatever. But I'll start, I'll start, you know, I'll start a new, um, because we, I still use discord. Yeah. Even today I'll start a new thread and be like, you know, at this person and be like, Hey man, um, you know, notice you filed this thing. Have you tried this thing? Right. Or whatever. Right. So, you know, and I, even though like, I'm not, I'm not the one that actually solves the bugs. Um, it does help me again with that translation, right? Yeah. And because when I when I take their feedback or mostly bug submissions, it helps me understand that that priority, right? So it's like it's like a nice feedback loop. It's like they feel they're being talked to directly by me. My thing says like beta manager, like they know who I am. Um, and it's like, hey, I'm being reached out directly, and you know, from an employee. Awesome, they care. I do, and uh, you know, here's all my problems. And then the 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 cycle repeats, right? So very important to me. Very nice. Yeah. Um, earlier, you had mentioned uh, the Jira integration, which is great. Mm -hmm. We have our first class Jira integration is, is wonderful. Um, mm -hmm. Wanted to touch more on that as well. You know, what are some of the tools that you use within Center Code that, you know, really power the success <laughs> of your program? And are there any other integrations beyond Jira that you use with Center Code to really get that communication and that lack of friction going? <laughs> So um, I've made good friends with a few people at Center Code. Uh, shout out to Tony, by the way. Um, so Tony knows. I, uh, I do the weird stuff with integrations. Yeah. Like you give us an API, what stupid things can we do with this? Mm. Um, actually, um, I, I think um, maybe a really good example is on the, um, I believe on the integrations guide page. It's somewhere that I've seen it. I, I promise you it's there. Yeah. Um, there's a guide how to basically create a bot that interfaces with center code API on discord. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think I was the first person to ever actually do something like this <clears throat> and I'll, I'll explain to you what I would use it for. It's not just for fun, although it is fun. Um, but my name's on there saying so like, Hey, thanks. And it's like, cool. Yeah, no problem. Cause it's awesome. So I use that integration. That's a really important one. So basically what happens is we tie web hooks to, um, center code. And then we we feed that into Discord. So when somebody submits a bug, it goes on Discord. Because one thing I've noticed is that my community especially will respond faster to things on Discord, right? Mm -hmm. Now Discord sucks to keep things organized. So I make sure that, you know, like, hey, make sure you click that to respond to it or whatever it is, right? To upload it or, or add a reply. So everybody knows that that's well documented for them to do. But one of the cool things is, we create uh, a forum channel and in that forum channel are multiple uh, threads. Each one of those threads is a bug submission and feedback. So we have two sections for that, functionally identical though. And what will happen is when a bug is submitted, it's raised as new, right? And then if, if something happens or a status changes, I change it and say like in progress, which basically means, hey, we reproduced it and it's internal ticketing now, engineering is working on it that flips it automatically so that everybody can see that it's in progress. So it's sort of aligning uh, Discord with what's going on in center code. And then that can feed back into center code 
with things that they're doing on Discord. So it's very, very cool. And, um, you know, it's, it's part of my community management uh, strategy to make sure that the, the conversations that are on Discord do make it into center code because center code is infinitely better <laughs> at yeah. tracking stuff. But I do want to make sure that the testers are comfortable with something that they understand and they're more engaged with um, because they're not, it's not taking them off platform somewhere. Right. So, um, I think that's been one of the best tools um, that I've put together. The Jira integration was mission critical. Um, this was uh, something that I set up at AMD where we, you know, basically had a uh, like a, a synchronization pipeline where if something on on center code was submitted to Jira, then the status of Jira would reflect back into center code and any comments reflect back into center code. And then any comments in center code goes into the ticket so the engineers can see the beta tester feedback on it. And if they add more stuff, including attachments and everything, that was one of, that was the best thing I've used. And it was so smooth. And it made it basically like, because really like once, once I looked at a ticket or one of my staff members at the time looked at the ticket and they go, yeah, I've reproduced this or yeah, this is definitely valid. Um, we, we set a, um, a macro status that basically says send to Jira, right? And once it's in sent to Jira, that's it. Hands off on the center code side. It's completely synchronized. So it means that I don't have to go back and manually change the status and try to keep like a, a manual synchronization of what's the internal engineering ticket status versus what's what, what's the center code status is how stale is it right and mm -hmm. I did have macros to set up to try to help me with that but once that Jira integration was in there it basically just saved me from backtracking entirely it's like the ultimate solution to my initial Discord problem so tickets there it's hands off once we send it to engineering that was one of the coolest things. I think I've used with center code to date for sure. It allows you to track the, cause we need status, right? When we collect feedback, if we just had feedback, it's just a, a pile of information. Yeah. Status allows us to understand what we're doing with the feedback. So yes. if things are and getting resolved, boom, counter mm -hmm. for ROI right there. We found something and fixed it and it's useful. <laughs> exactly. And also like, you know, because, um, we have to close the loop, right? Like yeah. you can't just like have center code in a vacuum. The yeah. tester is not going to always pay attention. Like, let's be honest. They're not going to pay attention. They're not F5ing the page looking at what the ticket's doing, right? Yeah. Um, so we had it so that basically the Jira status would change. The center code status would change. It would be aligned to the same status. Um, so let's say it's fixed implemented. It would be fixed implement or in Jira, it'd be fixed implemented in setter code. And then what would happen is we set up a, a, a macro trigger based off that to email the tester yeah. saying, Hey dude, we fixed your problem. Please test this driver. And we also had the, the discord part that would send it into discord into a fixed issues, uh, specific channel so that people could see like, Oh, it was fixed here or the, the original submitter would get an email. So like everybody, I tried to like blast it without being annoying about it. Um, but basically everybody was able to kind of keep in lockstep because the chances are if one issue is valid for one tester, it's going to be valid for a hundred percent of them basically. Right. Unless it's some specific software interaction on their computer, which is pretty rare. If it's a driver problem, it means it would affect literally anyone that's maybe playing the same game or has the same uh, graphics product. So that synchronization and sort of using center code as the input output backbone of the whole thing, while also being almost entirely meant, uh, entirely automated, excuse me, 
um, the, the valley is tremendous, right? That's, that's the moment when scaling happened. Once we had that synchronization using the advanced integrations and then um, all the user management stuff, which by the way, was the most important part because I couldn't track, I, I couldn't track our users. Like there's just two, like in Discord, it's like, well, here's your Discord ID. And then they just change their Discord name. Who are you? I don't know you anymore. Yeah. Right. So the user management part of disc uh, of center code was amazing. So all those things combined is what allowed me to to scale. So if we're talking about what are the integrations that are important to you, I'd say all of them. I mean, all of them are useful, right? So I think in my case, um, especially being in, in graphics engineering, well, I'm going to use the API for any stupid thing that we can think of, right? So pretty much all of them. Yeah. Like a mad scientist, you just get something and you just say, "What can if I?" If you do give up, yeah, it's <laughs> mad scientist. It's perfect. It's exactly right. Yep, perfect. Yeah. Just within the terms of service. So. Yeah, within, yeah, within the TOS, within the NDA, whatever, within the TOS. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But that sounds like a beautiful symphony of synergy. Just all these tools working together. And if we have someone mm -hmm. out there who's uh, not using Discord, maybe they're using Slack. We also have that integration there as well. So if you're not hip on the gamer stuff, or anyone out there is using <laughs> Slack, we have something similar there. Uh, as well. But that's beautiful. I don't know how else to describe it other than beautiful, because it just sounds like everything works in lockstep and you guys mm -hmm. just save a ton of time, which is incredible. Mm -hmm. um, one thing I wanted to touch on is, um, you know, changing gears just a little bit. Um, previous guests we've talked to, typically when they're kind of starting a program or they're getting their program up and running, they've had a champion somewhere <laughs> within their organization that was really able to push through and you know, mm -hmm. get resources or get time, et cetera, to make sure that the beta program succeeded. Um, mm -hmm. do you, did you have a, a similar champion at Intel or was it more so that the kind of the organization around you understood the importance of beta testing and was like, yeah, full throttle, let's go, you know, let's just start testing. Yeah, um, so for the AMD side, actually, um, so I sort of alluded to this earlier, mm -hmm. uh, but I talk a lot, so that's, I understand <laughs> that wasn't right. I ramble frequently, like right You're now. All good. <laughs> um, but basically, um, yeah, like the person that wanted this beta program was the senior director of everything, pretty oh, much, right? Okay. And like our whole graphic. So like the that was, again, I, maybe I'm just getting the silver spoon of beta programs and I've been incredibly fortunate. Mm -hmm. um, but it, this, this, this person understood the value of feedback more than maybe anyone, right? So I was incredibly fortunate um, that... I didn't have to fight, argue, or anything. So again, I work with some really sharp and smart people. At Intel, it was again the same thing. So Intel has um, Intel has a lot of very, uh, very smart engineers and very smart directors, program managers. I'm very fortunate to work with some very brilliant people. Um, again, it was sort of the same thing. Where it's like, you know what? Um, we know they know the effectiveness of a beta program because really of AMD's beta program. Um, it's very, AMD's beta program is actually quite visible. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, it's like, you know, prominent on their site and all that stuff. So it's understood that obviously there's definitely uh, some huge value into a beta program. And of course, it's not like nobody didn't know that I ran AMD's beta program, right? So yeah. it just sort of made sense. It's like, it's very valuable. You've done it before huh, maybe we should do this, right? So again, I didn't really have to argue. I didn't have to ask for it. This was something that was um, basically suggested on my behalf, which was very cool. Maybe backwards from how maybe some other people do it. Maybe I'm just the odd duckling here. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> couple couple people are like that. There's far more out there that do not have a lot of a whole lot of buy-in, have programs, but not full buy-in. 
Yeah. Uh, most people yeah. understand they need to do beta testing. Most people don't understand they need to do beta testing well. Uh, <laughs> and you seem Very to true. have gotten that lock in of, we understand that we need to do it well. <laughs> I, it's, it's really simple. Uh, if something annoys me, uh, it's going to annoy everyone else. Yeah. That's it. That's <laughs> that, Honestly, I wish you, that's it. I, yeah. I wish it was more complex than that. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I actually kind of want to flip the question on its head now. Um, so um, <laughs> if you had to go to someone, maybe a program manager at a different company, and you had to sell the value of a beta program, where would you start? What's the argument you would put forward to say, okay, you know, this is what, you know, this is what we need to start testing? Well, I would probably, it depends on kind of what the program is, yeah. uh, but I would say that Usually in cases like that, I think it's more tied to ROI than anything else. Um, if you can attribute, if you can almost attribute uh, like headcount to ROI mm -hmm. and kind of go from there, that's how I would do it. Um, you know, for example, it's like, hey, if we get 50, you know, beta testers and let's say they're doing it out of charity, we, we don't have to really kind of give anything um, and they can provide us some valuable feedback. And then we can iterate on whatever that is and give it back to them. It's basically like having another QA department, right? Yeah. That's not how I see it. Yeah. But if I had to, that's probably the approach I would go to. You know, I've been very fortunate. I'll just do it that way. <laughs> I didn't have yeah. to do that. But I think that tracks with what we've heard from a lot of people is that beta is kind of naturally born out of QA and support, you know, and it kind of it becomes is. that yeah. natural evolution of like, okay, we really do value support. We do value what QA does for us, you know. Let's uh, let's evolve it, right? I don't know why. Just we're, well, we're, we're gamers. We're thinking about Pokemon. I thought about evolving. A Pokemon, but go go ahead. Yeah. No, it's just like I mean, look, QA is kind of throttled by their test cases, right? I mean, QA executes a, a more like I mean, they could be a farm or lab or whatever. But yeah. let's just say for simplicity's sake, they're serialized in, and they're they're also unit cased like what they can do in a day and in a given period. Well, in, in, at least in my case. Our testers are just like, yeah, just YOLO. Because like our whole, our, do people still say that anymore? I don't know. But our, our testing <laughs> is it's coming back. Now they do. Now they do. <laughs> right, here we go. I'm bringing it back. Um, no, all our, all our testing is black box. All of it, right? It's just like there's not, I actually like not, I like having a very thin uh, like construction of what we're supposed to do. And there's times where I'd be like, hey, you know, this is important. Um, I know it's affecting a lot of you. Please follow these steps. But that's really kind of it. Part of the joy is here you go. Some loose guidelines. We use, I do use the um, uh, the test punning tool in Center Code. I do use that, and I use all the features and all that stuff actually quite extensively, um, but mostly for a di different reason. Um, but I, I I think that's kind of like the main key difference that I enjoy so much, right? And I get to I get to stress that really often, where it's like, listen, man, people are gonna find the most random stuff. We we will never find what users will find, no matter how good our test cases are, no matter how good our QA team is. Their users are just gonna do stupid stuff that breaks a lot of things, right? And that's mm -hmm. the that's the joy and pleasure of the whole thing is seeing like, I would never expect what this person just did, and yet they be we were the ultimate masters of the corner case, right? But those corner cases sometimes aren't corner cases, and sometimes are actually an escape, right? Yeah. There's times in in um in my prior beta program where I had testers that would find such incredibly high value issues, like crazy high value that changed the course of some development uh, for certain 
I can't really get into it, but certain things, right? And it was so impressive. Like, you know, we rewarded them well for that and things like that, but it, they're, they're just going to do stuff you don't expect, right? And what's fun is taking what are the lessons learned from what this user just did and how do we put that into our QA testing? I'm sure I would hope most beta managers do that. Um, but that's really kind of the fun part about it is like, look what we found. Haha, <laughs> right? So it's, it's just kind of fun to to mess with the QA team with stuff like that. So. I, I talked yeah. about that on a, a, a previous podcast. I, I don't know at this point because we've been doing them for almost a year. Um, <laughs> but we found a, a tester, a, a beta tester found a bug. And the initial thought was it's totally a corner case. It wasn't listed in our test plans. A mm -hmm. user streamed YouTube for six hours <laughs> continuously. <laughs> and at that yeah. point, it was causing a memory leak and the unit mm. would, would, would freeze, would lock up. And the only way to get it back was to restart it and do a reset because it wouldn't play anything from that point on. And it's like that wasn't in the, that wasn't in our test plans. And it's like, well, it's is is streaming for six hours a, a a corner case. And it's like, well, definitely not anymore. Maybe you know, right. 10, 10, 15 years ago, it, it might have been there, but there's no way that in, mm. there's a world where that's a not a, a valid case well, anymore. Yeah, absolutely. And I can I can safely say we internally account for that greatly. We have insane burn in tests for things yeah. like that. Uh, moving on to project management, uh, what is your strategy for tackling a new project? Let's say you know you've got a new driver in your hands, or mm -hmm. there's a new product that's coming out. You know. What are the steps you usually go through to say like, okay, let's get ready to test this thing? Yeah, I think, uh, you know, probably your standard stuff, right? Like what are the program deliverables we're going to do? What's like, what's our, you know, an on-shelf date, um, could be a product, could be the driver, um, and create a work back schedule off that. Um, I don't think I really do anything really terribly different than most program managers or project managers would do. Um, I think it's more about soliciting. It depends, right? Like it's soliciting the audience to make sure that within even my own testers that I have the right audience, um, because it's not always just about gaming. And again, people's interests are different. Um, so it's, it's kind of the standard approach right? you have those deliverables. Um, how are you going to collect the data? What is that data collection look like? What are you doing? Like, what are you, what's the story you're trying to tell with whatever data that you're collecting? Um, what is the intervals and, and milestones that you're creating to collect that data and also setting up, of course, like, you know, you have your weekly syncs or whatever like that. I think everything that I do is going to be pretty bog standard stuff that you've probably heard a million times. I don't really do anything different or special. Um, <clears throat> I do use the, um, the, uh, feature planning tool. Um, I do use, or excuse me, the test planning tool with features in it, um, and I make sure that I, I have a project set up specifically for that um, mm -hmm. with all those features put in and all the expectation. What is my documentation? Um, what are the expectations for the test? If it's not iterative, then yes, I'll go through like all the standard steps, right? Um, and also because if it's, if it's a specific type of test, it's not going to be, at least for what we do, it's not going to be black box. Um, it's going to be very structured, right? So it'll have like, okay, I'll take the, you know, the DDP or the developer test plan. I'll look at QA's test plans and we'll keep aligned. Like, okay, what, how is QA testing it? How's development testing it? Take borrow elements of those and then create my own spin on it based on sort of the user point of view of things. Right. So it's not just like, I don't know, whatever, like run a game, set to medium settings, play five minutes, close, run again, run on high. Users aren't going to do that. That's boring. Okay. Um, but it's basically like I, for them, I may change it and say like, okay, guys, we need you to run I, or 
I need three people on low, three on medium, three on high. Can you guys run this game on this driver for, I don't know, like an hour? Um, record your, your performance capture, and then would you mind flipping to this driver um, and record it again? And let's compare, right? And grab all that. So it, it sort of it just, it sort of depends, but I think in totality, I'm not doing much different than other program managers to be 100% with you. It's just what I do for specifically my audience, maybe a little different based because we do kind of weird stuff. Um, earlier, you had mentioned um, kind of also getting QA and engineering and making sure that you're sort of testing in similar ways and getting their their perspectives and whatnot. Um, is there a lot of that at Intel? Um, do you work very closely with other teams and there's a lot of transparency? Is that kind of how it is with your program? Oh, yeah. Yeah, um, actually, um, sort of the way that uh, Intel's engineering structure is set up is very, very different than um, the way it is at AMD. It's, AMD is a little bit more compartmentalized, and Intel's is very group, like a bigger group of stuff. And mm -hmm. it's it's very interesting. I've never seen that before, but it's so awesome. You know, I I think that the transparency between all the teams is the most important thing, right? I, I especially because if we're looking, you're talking about Intel, like Intel is new at as the time of this recording, like new to graphics, real realistically, yeah. right? Like we're what is it, twenty years behind Nvidia, AMD, whatever. Yeah. Um, so having everybody like transparent and aligned to what what's going on at all times. I mean, we have daily. There's a we call it a war room. There's a daily war room meeting, um, and that has representation from all kinds of components. You have program managers, directors, project managers, you know, graphics compiler team, DirectX 12 team, D3, 10, 9, whatever. Mm -hmm. um, you have what we call end-to-end. -end. We don't call it QA. It's not really QA. It's end-to-end. -end. More of like full user experience journey from testing all the way through to, you know, the, the user experience checkout and stuff. It's very cool um, how that works. And then, uh, you know, I'm there because of the, the game on day zero driver perspective, but also the beta perspective, you know, that's kind of the best place to raise bugs in this. And we all kind of, there's one uh, like lead that kind of governs how the whole thing works. Um, and we discuss our, you know, all our issues or bugs, feedback, whatever. And also the, the drivers that are going to go out, how we're going to branch, when are we going to branch, what's going in here, what's going in there. Crazy amount of collaboration. I, I've never seen that before. Um, but that transparency is amazing. Of course, it'd be fun to invite beta testers one day to be like, Hey, here's how the secret sauce works, right? Yeah. Can't do that. <laughs> um, but that's actually, you know, that's one thing that I would, I, I really want to do. Um, that was something that our community team at Intel did really, really well. Um, they had frequent, um, community, uh, basically they would essentially go in discord and have a guest and then the guests would like, you know, present their screen or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then they would do all that kind of stuff. So that's, that's definitely something I would like to do with beta testers because beta testers are a little bit more privileged than just like the typical, you know, just everyday person, right. Yeah. By design, they're meant to know more. Um, and so, you know, part of that transparency between all the teams, I would love to have engineers come in and just like, just bleh, just blast technical stuff, you know, to them yeah. about how certain things are done. Right. So it's very important, I think, to, to have that, that transparency. I think Intel does that incredibly well. Very nice. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's good to see. I mean, collaboration is always music to my ears. That's one of my favorite parts of center code is the fact that you just can get in there and get the testers collaborating with each other, oh, collaborating yeah. with the program mm -hmm. managers. Sometimes you do have those engineers coming into a project and saying like, Hey, mm -hmm. you know, can you reproduce this, et cetera. So I think that's something that's really cool. It's really cool to see that Intel 
like lives and breathes it. Like, like you said, you have a war room and it's like all the representatives are there. It's almost kind of like, I feel like I'm uh, like technology Lord of the Rings or something. It's like intense. <laughs> it, it feels like that. Yeah. Except because there's a lot of people talking. So yeah. uh, it can get, yeah, as, as you can imagine, can get crazy <laughs> sometimes, but no, we do have, I mean, there's Intel employees um, that are currently just as normal users in the beta program, right? Mm -hmm. And it's fun for, for from that regard because they're almost exclusively engineers mm -hmm. who do this, but um, you know, they'll go in, they'll report amazing bugs. Like they are <laughs> so like way above and beyond using like, you know, sometimes we'll use special tools and whatever. Um, but you know, it's very cool. Um, but sometimes they'll they'll go and collaborate with testers. And that's yes, that was a huge problem before because yes, technically Discord, the way we use it is great for that real time, but no way for a snapshot in time. So normally, like I kind of mentioned earlier on center code, we have like, let's say our bug ticket. And then even if we're talking on discord, it's like, cool. Um, put that on center code, right? Here's the link. It's like the way the webhook works, it links it and they can go straight there. They don't have to think they don't have to just, just no thinking, just click the link. And, uh, they go and they put all their, let's say that maybe some performance logs or like crash logs or whatever, mm -hmm. and they keep it all there and they'll, they'll like, they'll reply to each other and be like, Hey, I tested this, tested this, whatever. Um, that collaboration helps me a lot because for two things, one, um, I don't have to do anything. So that's great. And then two, it's nice to, to have the community aspect of them just collaborating across center code, especially when it's in various different places and you can kind of see the same testers. You, that's how you kind of know. I mean, there's, I have metrics to track yeah. kind of those, who those, you know, center code does this. Um, but just seeing them like across and just helping other members and stuff. It, it's awesome, man. It's great. Um, starting to wrap things up in general now. Uh, one thing I wanted to ask was, you know, how has your program positively impacted Intel? And also, what was the positive impact that it had on on AMD? Well, I'll start, I guess I'll start with AMD because that's when I was running it the longest. Yeah. Um, well, I can tell you, um, I won multiple director and executive spotlight awards there okay. as nice. a direct result of the beta program. Um, that means cool things, a bonus, a plaque, and a satisfaction that my program is making such a significant impact to the company that they did give me more and more resources, right? Mm -hmm. More, more staff. Like I said, we put together an entire, basically end user focused end user experience team because at the time, um, at the time, many years ago, brand sentiment wasn't great, particularly around driver software. I don't think that's necessarily a secret to anyone. Mm -hmm. Um, and so that was one of the first things that we did. We started to really turn around user sentiment because once we put in this beta program and then we started to get more and more users on board, well, we were able to use that agility of them testing stuff and our response agility to resolve it or in integrate their feedback and start to really turn that around. Right. So it wasn't just like, Hey, we need to develop more unit tests or test cases or whatever internally. That's when the beta program really started to hit its stride. I would say like a about a year after it was it was uh, in, incepted. So um, I think it impacted AMD significantly in the driver perception uh, part of things. And I was very, very proud and still am proud of the work we did, of the community that's still there um, and the community that is growing there. Um, because, you know, obviously that was my baby at the time. So I'm very emotionally attached to it mm -hmm. and the community and also my former staff that's uh, still there. 
Um, so tremendous impact to, to AMD's uh, driver sentiment, at least. Um, and in turn, it's quality. Yeah. Um, Intel, uh, for sure, Intel is kind of, we're more in the feedback phase. Um, so Intel's, Intel's driver is greatly improving. Again, none of this is a secret. You can Google this in two seconds. Mm-hmm. Intel's driver, when let's say the, the, our latest graphics card launched, it was not in the greatest state. It wasn't terrible. There's a lot of room for improvement, but we're new, right? Yeah. We're, we're new to this. So, um, it can be a little forgiven. And thankfully, you know, the community at large, like all communities kind of looked at and said like, ah, they're new, whatever. So, um, but as far as the beta program goes and the impact it's had, a lot of it has been feedback, mm-hmm. right? What do you not like or do you like? Because we're kind of in that young, uh, that young stage where it's it's a little bit more malleable in like how, what we can and can't do, yeah. and our response is actually quite fast in terms of uh, roadmap stuff um, relative to maybe my prior engagements. Um, and so so far, it's been awesome to have people that are taking a chance, especially beta testing on really kind of our first consumer card, right? And there's there's going to be teething pains and there were teething pains, but through their feedback, especially on product feedback, not so much driver feedback, which is very odd because that's a flipped that's flipped around what the program's supposed to be. Product feedback ended up getting kind of the most attention. And from that product feedback, we were able to do things in our roadmap in the driver to accommodate what they were asking for. So I think it's still young at Intel. I think uh, it hasn't even been a year yet. Um, so it's still young here, but I already know that if if it worked, if you know, if it worked here, it's it's gonna work here, right? It's just a matter of whether or not the, the strategy and the execution and the resources are put in, in the correct place to do the good things that we did um, at AMD, so. Ultimately, I, th- I think it's going to have a huge impact. It's just, it's still in that building up phase. Like, it's kind of funny how I say like, oh, I have too many applicants, but yet I'm so slow to roll it out properly, right? Yeah. But that, but that's kind of the, that's kind of the plan, right? Like, it's to slowly do it right, slowly, piece by piece, and then go from there. So yeah, being able to be in that spotlight to have yourself be known, obviously, you know, great. I think a lot of people want to be seen and, you know, be recognized for that. But also just having that that transparency um, is incredible. So that's excellent. Mm. And final question, which is sort of the other half of this, is how has Center Code empowered your programs to succeed? Yeah, I think I I, I kind of <laughs> I rambled into this a lot. Yeah, um, but but, ba- <laughs> but I, I do that a lot. Oh, I'm, I'm very no, sorry. It's all good. Um, oh, we're so, oh, it's uh, it hurts our feelings so I much. Just, yeah. Um, um, I'm I'm not very I'm not a very corporate type. You know, like I'm not like I'm not gonna you know. I've always been that gamer minded, you know, gamer centric. So yeah. I answer things in a very crazy way. I'm better when I email though because I can collect my thoughts. Um, <laughs> No, I, I obviously like, you know, just literally everything. Um, I like, I think if I had to choose one specific thing about center code that helped the most and not the integrations, the integrations are the best thing, mm-hmm. but the most helpful thing, uh, user management without even a question of a doubt, right? Being able to have an onboarding path, being able to filter applicants, being able to track where they're from, did they sign agreements and the, and assign them keys and check their, their, um, their performance, 
performance, right? Their login activity and and assign you know points and figure out who my best testers are. Hugely important. I don't think anything I've seen prior to Center Code would have helped me scale because when I first got Center Code, it wasn't about how many things can we support with internal resources. It was about I literally cannot track this many people. And I don't know who's agreed to the EULA or, and the terms of service, which are very important because if one of our software just deletes their computer and it had their entire fiscal year of taxes on yeah. it, not our fault. You agreed to it, right? But to, to put it in a very long <laughs> way. Um, but, you know, having all that in, in center code and a way for them to just go to a very specific place, go and apply, and then yes or no, are you being accepted? And all the kind of the communications part of the user management, um, huge. I, I would say that's probably the biggest thing. That's what lets us scale for sure. Awesome. Well, Jake, this has been a fantastic conversation. You were technical, honest, relatable. I mean, I like I said earlier, I think we've got, you know, solid gold here in terms of, you know, what to do in terms of building a community, managing your users, and some really great insights uh, across your career. So once again, I want to thank you for, for coming on the podcast. And thank you for having me. It's an absolute pleasure to be here, guys. Absolutely. Thank you for listening to the Delta Huddle podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, leave us a like or a five-star rating. You can also find us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, YouTube, and anywhere else you get your podcasts. We'll see you in the next episode, and happy testing.